brought me up a mic. He says, I can't hear you singing, so he wanted to give me a mic this morning, but I don't think it was that. 449, we'll start from the beginning, Adrian. First one, let's sing the three together again, 449. Still. That's a hymn for the men down at the back, isn't it? Uh, Be still, my soul is there trying to sort everything out uh, this morning. Before we open in prayer, oh, here we go. Before we open in prayer, um, Adrian's going to come just and share one or two things regarding the men out in Ivory Coast, and then we can pick that up in prayer as well. So come on ahead, Adrian, just to, it'll be in the lower mic, guys, there, so. Case has been found. 
unfortunately had quite a travel yesterday, I think it was a nine hour travel, and they travelled uh, on a round trip, and they were only back late last night, so thank the Lord for that. As you can imagine, the roads are very difficult, and that was quite a track for them, but they got the case uh, back again, and got going, so that's good. Um, really, they're really putting out to service a lot of the machines and things like that, and thankfully they have been able to do that. Now, while they're servicing the machines, as we would think of it here, the weather has been quite changeable, as you would know. But over there, most days, it has been 40-plus in the middle of the day. And even at night time, it has been rarely below 30. So that's been very difficult for them um, to work, uh, never mind sleep in the evening time. So I think we're good to go now. That's a team. There's Nigel. Now, that's just come through to me this morning. So Nigel looks happy there. He's smiling. He's got his case back. Uh, this is part of the, the, the gear that they're trying to work on. This is a drill rig, obviously. I'm sure we saw photographs of it before. So this is what they've been working on. Uh, Nigel, can you turn the wee back, the light off at the top, please? It might be a wee bit better, man. Uh, <coughs> Nigel, John is servicing the machine here. I think this looks like an air filter cover. John's putting into the lorry. Joshua is, looks like the consumer unit. They're wiring up. Quite a bit of electrical work to do. Uh, I think this is Joshua Collier here, and Kyle in the background, and Mark in the left. This is coffee time. Uh, so it looks, looks good. Kyle, this is his job, of course, when he's here. He's on the crane, so he's inspecting the crane here. And uh, John, he's, well, he must be in playground duty. Uh, he's looking after the children. Not lovely to see the wee smiling faces. Uh, and there's David and Oren. Uh, they must be getting this machine ready for MOT. Do pray for Oren. Oren is the only member of the team that's not saved. So this is tremendous to have Oren out. So let's pray for him that as, they would, as he would witness the team and as he would watch them and observe them, that the Lord would really speak to him and the Lord would soften his heart. And what a mission trip that would be if young Oren trusted the Christ, trusted the Savior while he was out on the mission team. Now, I do think they are planning to get, obviously, all the rig and everything ready. They do plan to do uh, test drills this week. Uh, obviously, that's why they're out, to service the machinery and get everything up and ready to go. So pray for that that everything will run smoothly. They are back at the weekend again. Obviously, it's a long way away from here, so pray for them as they would come back again. That's just about it. It's just a little reminder. I don't want to take away from perhaps Nigel's report when he comes back of all the photographs and things we got, but just, just to give you a wee insight of what they're doing and to remind us all to continue to pray for them. So let's, let's do that. Thank you. Uh, prayer requests. I want to continue to pray for Brother Donald uh, through his operation, and that all seems to have gone very well, so we want to pray for Donald just in his recuperation. I also just want to pray for a couple of families that have been bereaved. Uh, we mentioned last Sunday about Ed's mum passing, so we again want to publicly express our sympathy to Ed and the wider family. Also, uh, Sister Eileen Gibson, a sister, passed away, and so again we want to publicly um, pass on our sympathy to Eileen and Reggie and the wider family circle there as well, and we'll remember them in prayer. So let's just look to the Lord now as we, as we pray together. <coughs> our God and our Father, as we come into your presence this morning, we do indeed thank you, Lord, that we can still our souls and come into your presence, Lord. We thank you indeed that that stillness, Lord, comes first and foremost, Lord, because we're abiding in Christ this morning, Lord. We thank you indeed that we're sheltering under the blood, we thank you indeed that our sins, which are many, have all been forgiven. We thank you, Lord, that we are now no longer under condemnation, Lord, but we are accepted in your beloved Son. 
And so we thank you again, Lord, that we can be still in your presence. But Lord, we thank you too that we can be still in your presence because indeed you're sovereign. And because, Lord, you are almighty. Because, Lord, you're all-knowing. And so, Lord, as we gather in your presence this morning, Lord, we do indeed thank you for such a God that we come to worship and to pray to uh, this morning. But, Lord, we do indeed thank you, Lord, that we, we have a Savior who, although he was God, became man and dwelt amongst us. And so, Lord, we thank you indeed that he uh, not only died for our sins, but he is touched with the feelings of our infirmities this morning. And so is your people, Lord, as your people gather this morning with many different needs, Lord. We thank you there's one who uh, knows all about it and can sympathize with those needs this morning. And so, Lord, we bring uh, your people before you this morning. For those that are gathered, Lord, you know our variety of our need. You know those that need that word of encouragement. You know, Lord, those need that word of challenge, Lord, whatever it might be, Lord, we, we pray indeed you might draw near to your people and minister to each one gathered in this morning. We're mindful of those, Lord, who would love to meet with us this morning but can't. But we thank you even for those that are able to join in online. Again, we do pray for them that you might draw near to them uh, this morning. We think particularly of our brother Donald. We thank you for bringing him through this surgery. We thank you, Lord, it seems to be a good success and he's feeling uh, well. So we do pray for him again this morning that in uh, his recovery, Lord, he might know your hand upon him and might be able to be out and about again very soon, Lord. We think of those, Lord, who have been bereaved in recent days. We pray for the families that have been touched by this loss. We pray for Ed and the wider Shaw family again. We thank you for uh, his mum being saved and she's in your presence. And so we do pray that might indeed be a great comfort to them. But we pray indeed for all the wider family again that you might draw near to them in these days. We do uh, pray for Eileen as well at this time of loss and for Reggie and the wider Gibson family again that you might draw near to them and they may be very conscious of your presence in these days and the days uh, that would lie ahead. Lord, as we gather here in Samfield, Lord, we're, we're mindful of those, Lord, that are on the Ivory Coast uh, this morning. We thank you again for all that they're doing in your name out there in that land. And we pray indeed, Lord, that even as they worship there this morning, Lord, uh, uh, so many hundreds of thousands of miles away, Lord, we thank you indeed that they come to worship the same God that we worship this morning. So we thank you for that. And we pray for all that they'll seek to do in the next few days, Lord. Again, you may draw very near to them. We realize, Lord, it's difficult, hard, hot work. And so we pray again that you may just uh, meet their physical needs and all that they would seek to do, Lord. We pray. We thank you, Lord, that this case has arrived, and we pray indeed that might enable further work to be done as well, Lord. And we, we pray for each one of the members. We are uh, particularly mindful of this young man, Oren, and we pray for his soul this morning, Lord, again, that you might speak to him. And even as he sees the testimony of these men, and as maybe they're sharing different things, Lord, we pray indeed you might speak into his soul and draw him uh, to yourself. So, Lord, we just pray for our gathering now as we meet together. We thank you for all that are in. We thank you for the boys and girls already and under the sound of your word in the Sunday school. Bless your word as it's gone forward. We pray for them now as they'll come in a short time just to hear a little word from yourself. We pray for them and for uh, the one who shares with them. But we pray for our brother Raymond. We thank you for him. We thank you for help given in days past as he's ministered in our midst. And so we look to you this morning, Lord, as again he opens your word, that he may be very conscious of your help and that we might have a listening ear as to what you would have to say for us. Again, we pray too as we'll gather around the table for a little season as well, Lord. Again, we pray as we might have that sweet remembrance of our Saviour and again might uh, have a greater appreciation, Lord, of all he has done for us on Calvary's cross. So we look to you now, Lord. We need your help uh, for our gathering and we look to you and commend ourselves to you in the Saviour's precious name. Amen. Boys and girls, good to have you with us this morning as well. If you want to come up to the front, I think it's Johnny coming to speak to you this morning. 
Looking for Johnny, and he doesn't look surprised, so that's all good. Good to see you. You can get an EV, can you? Good stuff. So I've got to stand behind here just so you can actually hear me. But good to see you. Um, right, I'm going to ask you a question. Does anybody have a birthday? Oh, you all have birthdays. Good, right, that's a good start. Right, let's narrow it down a wee bit more. Does anybody have a birthday coming up in February, next few weeks? Okay, m- m- maybe. Maybe one from Andrea? Okay, March? Oh, it's been. Oh, it's in February. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Andrew. Okay. Anybody have a birthday in September? Whose birthday's in September? Okay, a couple of you. Abigail and Faith. Okay. So, September, that's when my birthday is. So, September's the best month to have a birthday. Now, I'm not talking about presents, but tell me one thing, what other thing that some people give you whenever it's your birthday? What do you get maybe quite a lot of? Somebody will give you. James. Well, you get a cake, yes, that's true. You don't get a lot of cake, so you normally just get one maybe big cake. What else do you get? You get people maybe give you something quite often. Uh, yes. Presents, yes, you get presents. What else might people give you? Evie, what are you thinking? What did you say? I didn't, I didn't hear that, Evie, sorry. Any, anybody else want to help out? Yes, Edward. Say it again. Party food. See, you aren't getting close to this thing that I'm thinking about. So what I'm thinking about is something that maybe sometimes you look at it and you're more interested in the thing that it's inside it rather than the actual thing itself, possibly. Jack. A card. Yes, a card. That's, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about a card. Now, as I said, my birthday was in September. Now, I am I'm quite old now. So I'm 41. So I'm 41. You have to think. You see, when you get older, you don't really count them as much. So I'm 41. Now, I don't get that many cards. When you get older, you don't get given that many cards. But my mum and dad still give me a card every single year. And back in September, they gave me a birthday card. And as soon as I saw this birthday card, I thought, I'm going to show that to the boys and girls in Sinfield. So for five months, I have kept this birthday card sitting on my desk at home to remind me that the next time I'm talking to the boys and girls in the same field, I need to show them this card. So I've got the card. This is the card here. Okay? So this is the very same card that I got from my mum and dad uh, for my birthday in September. And it's also up... Yes, it is. Good. Okay, we're up and running. So the card's up on the screen, okay? So I've taken a wee bit off this. So I think this is meant to be me. A wee bit more hair on this one, but anyway. So it says... I'm going to read this out to you. So it says, It was his birthday. And he suddenly felt his life was empty. It's quite dark, but anyway, it gets better. (laughs) He suddenly felt his life was empty. He felt alone, with a sense that he was isolated from all that he knew and loved. Unable to express his innermost feelings, to share his thoughts, his needs, his... No, wait, the Wi-Fi seemed to be back up and running again. So basically what that's saying is that everything seemed to fall apart because the internet wasn't working. And I suddenly felt all isolated and lost and empty and alone because the internet wasn't working. Now the reason I wanted to talk to you about this card is because this card made me think about something. This card reminded me that the people that probably know me best, or certainly when I was younger, the people that knew me best in life 
were my mum and dad. So the first thing that my mum and dad knew about me was they knew when my birthday was, so that's helpful. And now that everybody else knows when my birthday is, then I'm making more cards. But they knew when my birthday was. They also knew that I quite like technology. I like looking up things on my phone. I like looking up things on the computer. I like watching videos online. I like watching sports online. I like being able to go onto the internet and find information and find out things. Like probably a lot of you do. So they knew that about me. The other thing they knew was that I really don't like boring cards. I don't like boring cards at Christmas. I don't like boring cards for birthdays. I like cards that are a wee bit fun. Cards that are a wee bit silly and have a wee bit of a joke inside them. So I liked the fact that my mum and dad knew me. And even still, whenever they get me a card, they know the kind of thing that I like. And you know, the Bible actually talks about how our, how our parents know us. So you think about your mum and dad. Your mum and dad know you better than anybody else. They know the things that you like. They know the things that you don't like. They know the things that you like to eat and the things you don't like to eat. And they know whether to try and make you eat the things you don't want to eat or whether just to leave it. They know the things that make you sad. They know the things that make you happy. And you know the other thing they know? Your mum and dad know about life. They've experienced life. You think maybe you're thinking next year and you're thinking, oh, next year, next year's a big year for me. I'm going into P4. Or I'm going into P7. That's a big one. Or maybe you're even thinking, actually, I'm going to be moving school next year. That's really big. I don't know what that's going to be like. Do you know your mum and dad had to go through exactly that as well? They know exactly what that's like. They know what it's like to try and make friends. They know what it's like to maybe have friends that you sort of wish you didn't have that weren't, aren't great influences on you. They know what it's like to be a wee bit nervous about things. And the Bible actually says in Proverbs 1 verse 8, I love the book of Proverbs. Proverbs was written by King Solomon. And a lot of it was written to his son. And he says this, he says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father. So listen to the things your dad's telling you. And forsake not, or don't ignore the law or the teaching of your mother. So you see when your mum tries to tell you things and tries to say, look, you really shouldn't be doing that thing, either at home or in school, or you shouldn't really want to be with those friends, or you shouldn't be wanting to have that thing on your phone, or you shouldn't want to be looking up that thing on the internet, or you shouldn't be watching that thing on TV. You shouldn't ignore that. Because your mum and dad know you. They know about life. And even more than that, if your mum and dad are Christians, they know about the Bible. They know about God. And so whenever they tell you things and they say, you shouldn't be doing that. Or whenever they sit down and teach you about the Bible, that's the most important thing that you can hear from them. You can hear how you should live and what you should do in your life. But the other thing I thought whenever I got this card was I thought that even though my mum and dad know me really well, my mum and dad aren't perfect. And the Bible talks about that too. The Bible says, if ye then, it's talking about parents. Now it says, I'm going to have to explain this, but it says, if ye then being evil. Now your mums and dads aren't evil. But what that's saying is that none of us are perfect. You're not perfect. Your mum and dad aren't perfect. Your mum and dad don't always do perfect things. So they're not perfect people. They'll get annoyed sometimes when maybe they shouldn't have got annoyed. I get annoyed at Daniel sometimes when he hasn't really done anything. I'm just in bad form. So that happens sometimes. But the Bible says that if you're a mum and dad who aren't perfect, 
They know how to look after you. They know how to care for you. They know how to share with you the Bible. They know how to tell you about life and about things you should avoid and things you should do. They know how to give you good gifts and look after you. If your mom and dad who aren't perfect know how to do all those things, how much more does God know how to do those things? Because God is your heavenly father. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, God's your heavenly father. So how much more does God know how to give you instruction and teaching and help and support? And I wonder, and you can put your hand up for this, do you talk to your mom and dad? Who talks to their mom and dad? Like sometimes, just, yeah, they're nice people, aren't they? They're all right. Okay. But you have a heavenly father as well. And I wonder, whenever you maybe come in from school and you say, oh, that was a hard day. I, I didn't really like that today. I didn't like what that person said to me. That was quite nasty. And you maybe talk to your mom and dad about it. I wonder, do you talk to God about it? Do you actually pray and tell God about it? Because God wants to hear about your day. He wants to hear about the things you're scared of. He wants to hear about the things you're excited about. He wants to hear about the things that you're not sure about for the next day. So I'd encourage you to talk to your mom and dad because they want to hear all about that stuff too. But talk to God. Tell your heavenly father, the one who is perfect, about what you're scared about, about what you're nervous of, about what next year is going to be like and you really don't know what to do. Talk to him. And God will help you. And God will be with you and give you instruction and teaching from his word as well. So boys and girls, thank you very much for listening. Remember September. That's the thing to remember. And I'm going to give you some sweets now. So thank you very much for listening. And then you can go back to your seats and you get your sweets. Okay, thank you, boys and girls. Thank you, Johnny. You must have given them the actual date, date Johnny, so you didn't know September's a bit too general. Yeah, thank you for that. We're going to just say again, welcome you to the service this morning. I'm going to give a special welcome to our, our brother, uh, Raymond Moore. Uh, if you had listened to the announcements last week, which not necessarily do you do, but um, announced that Junior Helen was going to be speaker today, but Junior's been on well through the week. Uh, so he had to cancel, so I'm pleased that Raymond was able to uh, step in for us this morning. We've always enjoyed his ministry, and uh, we thank him for his help uh, this morning. The latter part of the service, wait behind, remember the Lord Jesus and the breaking of bread. If you're saved and you're seeking to walk with him, we encourage you to wait behind, remember him with us this morning. We just ask the members if they could wait behind just for a, a short time after the table this morning, please. Then 6 o'clock this evening is time of prayer. 6.30 is our gospel service. Uh, the singer expected this evening is Johnny Logan. And the speaker is Pastor Victor Maxwell. Uh, uh, Victor's subject this evening is Go Through With God, the life story of Dr. Bill Woods. So that should be a very interesting evening. Uh, so again, please come along and invite others uh, this evening. And after the gospel service, the youth fellowship meet. The guest speaker is Ben Murray, and their subject is the Christian life in high school from the eyes of a Christian teacher. Also in parallel with that, uh, with the youth fellowship, there'll be a prayer time uh, for the young people and also for the pastoral vacancies. Please plan uh, to wait behind for that as well. Then Wednesday night, 6.45, searchers, 8 p.m. is your Bible study and prayer meeting. And the speaker uh, on Wednesday night, and for three Wednesday nights, is Paul McCreary. And then Thursday, 10.30, Tiny Tots. Saturday evening is the monthly meeting of Sports for Christ. That's at 6.30 p.m. And that's for primary school aged children. That takes through to next Sunday, 10.15 is the Sunday school. Then 10.30, being the second Sunday of the month, is the combined junior and adult Bible class. And then the services, 11.30 and 6.30, and speakers, Johnny Rice. 
And just one further one, again, just a reminder of the safeguarding training that's planned for Monday the 26th of February and Tuesday the 5th of March. All children's and youth workers are required to attend one of those evenings, so please keep that in mind as well. I think that's all the announcements, always made subject to the Lord's will. We're going to sing together again before Raymond comes to speak, 501. I think it's 501, is it? No, mine. Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. Okay, there we go. Happy days. Just sing the first two verses. Amen. Indeed, it's a good place to be, resting in the joy of what the Lord is. Good to be with you this morning. Thank you, Brian, for your words of welcome. Always a joy to renew the fellowship and a privilege to be able to minister with you through God's Word this morning. We always look to Him for His help. We're turning to the book of Acts this morning in chapter 7, please. <clears throat> Acts chapter 7. We're going to break into the end of the chapter. Breaking in here to the life of Stephen. He has just been addressing um, the crowd. And we discover here the reaction to that in verse 54. When they heard these things, that's the things that Stephen had just been saying with regards to God and the Lord Jesus, 
and his word. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on Stephen with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven, and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing on the right hand of God, and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears, and ran upon him with one accord, cast him out of the city, and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down, cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Amen. And may God add his blessing to his word. Let's bow briefly for a moment to prayer together. Lord, we thank you for your presence with us this morning, not only through your promise that where two or three are gathered together in your name, there am I in the midst of them, but also through sensing your presence, Lord, as we have uh, sung their hymns together, as we have heard uh, the word to the children. Dear Lord, we have sensed thy presence, and we thank you, Lord, we can pray that we might know even a greater increased sense of your presence as we look at your word, and Lord, as we seek to share your word. And we pray that by thy Holy Spirit thou wilt minister to me, but also to all in the pew. And we pray that your name will be glorified. We pray for your divine help and blessing now. Commit the outcome of this meeting to thee and the final few minutes of it, Lord. And we pray that your hand will be upon us. And Lord, you'll have your way within our hearts, within our lives. For we ask it, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. <clears throat> One commentator writes, When your world tumbles in, it is good to look at things from heaven's point of view. And how true those words are. There's a lot of wisdom in those words for the born-again Christian. Stephen, the man we have just read about here in Acts chapter 7, was a wise man because that was what he did when his world was well and truly tumbling in around him. We read together there this morning in verse 54, for example, they gnashed on him with their teeth, expressing the real bitterness that Stephen was facing from a very angry mob of people here. We discover in verse 58 that this mob then unite against him, throw him out of the city of Jerusalem, and they throw stones at him in order that he might be killed and put to death. So Stephen was suffering. He was suffering verbally. He was suffering physically. He was suffering emotionally. And certainly he was suffering spiritually. He was, he was under spiritual abuse to the point that his life was in fact in danger. And the only reason for it was that he was a Christian. He was a Christian who had personal faith in Jesus Christ and uh, seeking to follow him and seeking to serve him in his daily life. And from the example of Stephen, we are reminded that living as a Christian is not always easy, especially in a world where living for Jesus is not always popular and sometimes it is opposed. 
And thankfully, none of us had to face, have to face the sort of hardship or abuse or opposition that Stephen faced because of his Christian faith, though some in some parts of the world do face similar things because of the Christian faith. faith, Christian faith. However, most of us at some point will face things whenever it feels like our world tumbles in around us. And perhaps for someone, that's just how you feel with what is going on in your life just at the moment. Also, as we look around our world these days, there are signs that our world is tumbling in too. Wars and rumors of wars. Did you ever live in a day when there were such going on, the eyes of the world on the Middle East, the eyes of the world on Israel? Not forget the situation in Ukraine. There's the rise of anti-Semitism and so many other things that we could mention this morning, but we haven't time to do that. But just a few of the things that are happening these days, which are obvious signs that this world that you and I live in is moving in the direction of end times and at an incredible speed. So as we look around us at things going on in our lives at times, but also at things going on in our world generally, what can we learn from Stephen which is helpful to apply whenever our world could be described as tumbling in around us? The answer to that is found in verse 55. But Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven. And at a time of great distress to the point where Stephen seemed to see nothing at all to encourage him as he looked around at what was happening, he looks in another direction, which was looking up to heaven. And when he does that, he sees things from heaven's point of view. And that is what gave Stephen the very thing that he needed to face the hopelessness of his situation with a sense of peace in his heart and a measure of strength also to endure it. Looking up to heaven is the lesson that you and I can apply as we learn from Stephen whenever to get through those times, whenever it seems as we look at our own lives, look at the world generally, that it can be described as tumbling in around us. Notice Stephen looked steadfastly up into heaven in verse 55, and that implies he, was just, he wasn't just looking up for a minute or two or now and again, but Stephen was steadfast in looking up. Now, I don't know what about you, but I know for myself, looking up is something that's very difficult. And to look up steadfastly into heaven is something very difficult. And it had to be for Stephen to keep looking up into heaven in the circumstances that he was in that must have been very, very difficult. However, we are told that Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit or full of the Holy Ghost. And that implies that God, by his Spirit, helped Stephen to not just look up for a moment or two, but to look up steadfastly into heaven despite the circumstances that he found himself in. And friends, this morning, thank God, the Lord can help us to keep looking up into heaven because it is a very difficult thing to do. Although we heard it preached, and you'll hear it preached this morning, 
It is a difficult thing to do. And God has given to you and I His Holy Spirit to help us look up into heaven. You mean we need to be asking God to help us to do that because it is very difficult at times to keep that focus. Perhaps for someone in particular this morning, God wants to help you look up from the circumstances you find yourself in at the moment because that is the thing that you need to do that will help you. The question is, what can we see when we look up that gives us something to help us in those times when our world seems to be tumbling in around us in Christian life? Well, for an answer, we're turning to what Stephen saw whenever he looked up, and we discover what he saw in verse 55 to 56 of Acts chapter 7. And there we read these words, But he being full of the Holy Ghost, God helped him to look up by his Spirit. He being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven, and he saw. What did he see? First of all, he saw the glory of God. There are a number of things implied in Stephen's seeing the glory of God. And the one thing is the awareness of God's presence with him. That's what he saw. The glory of God always associated with the presence of God and with his people. For example, Acts 24 and verse 16, Moses at Mount Sinai, the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the Lord covered it six days. Exodus 40 and 34 to 35, Moses in the tabernacle during the wilderness journeyings of the Hebrews after their escape from Egypt. There we read, a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Second Chronicles 7 and 1, the dedication of the temple in the time of Solomon. There we read, now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven, consumed the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. So God manifested his presence in the midst of his people when his glory filled the tabernacle, filled the temple, and filled Mount Sinai. In context, Stephen was under attack, and as he looked around, he was in the presence of many enemies. There wasn't much to assure Stephen that God was with him, or that God knew anything about him, or that God knew what he was going through. In fact, it might have appeared to Stephen that God was far away, or even that God had forgotten, or that God had forsaken him. But as he looked up into heaven and he sees the glory of God, he is reminded afresh. He gets a fresh awareness of the presence of God with him, even when it seemed when the devil was having a field day in the circumstances of his life. God saw Stephen. God knew all about Stephen. God was very much with Stephen. And as Stephen looked up, he saw the glory of God's presence had not departed from him, despite the circumstances and the darkness of those circumstances uh, and the obvious presence of the evil and tensions of his enemies that seemed to be all around him. We need to look up at times and get a sense of, a fresh sense of the presence of God with us. Because all too often, we can lose the sense of God's presence because of the difficulties we are going through or the difficulties that are going on around us. 
But when we look up, it's then we see God is there. God is in control. And he is always with us no matter what. So Stephen looked up and he sees the glory of God and it implied, it implied the awareness of God's presence with him. Secondly, the availability of God's power for him. That's the second thing that it implied. Since Psalm 91 and 1, we are told, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. So as Stephen looks up and sees the glory of God, he not only gets a vision of God's presence with him, but also he gets a vision of the power of God who created the heavens, the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars. And he did that by the word of his power, or the power of his word. And I think also Stephen sees that God's power was available for him to draw strength from in his hour of need. Humanly speaking, there was no way that Stephen had what it took to face the terrible circumstances that he was going through at that time. But when he looked up, when he looked up and he saw God, he saw that God's power was mighty and God's power was glorious. And God was not only with him, but was with him to strengthen him with the power that he needed and to do that by his Holy Spirit, whom we're told here, filled him. He, being filled with the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven. Perhaps as you look inward, you're feeling your utter weakness to cope with what is going on in your life at the moment. We do at times. Look up. For God, by his Holy Spirit, can strengthen you with the power that you need as you wait on him. Isaiah 40, 31 reminds us, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. So as Stephen sees the glory of God, it implies the awareness of God's presence with him, the availability of God's power for him, and thirdly, it implied the accomplishment of God's purposes for him. In John's Gospel, chapter 11, we have the record of a crisis that arose in the family of two sisters. Many of you, not all of you, will know the story very well. The two sisters are called Martha and Mary, and the crisis had to do with their brother Lazarus, who had just tragically died and is now buried. And after four days, the Lord Jesus came on the scene, and Martha goes out to meet him. And when she did, Jesus said to her in John chapter 11, verse 40, we have a record of what he said, and so I quote it to you. Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. In other words, Jesus was saying to Martha, to look up from the distressing circumstances she was facing, because from heaven's point of view, God was accomplishing his purposes through what she and her sister were going through at the time, which in context was that God might be glorified, 
And he was, of course, in the resurrection of, of Lazarus. Jesus challenged Martha to believe that. If thou wouldest believe, thou wouldest see the glory of God. Was it as Stephen looked up to heaven that he begins to see that God could, could be accomplishing his purpose in all that he was going through? And ultimately, that purpose was for the glory of God. Now, humanly speaking, it had to be hard for Stephen to get his head around that or to believe that as he looked at what was going on around him at the time. I mean, what could be the purpose in Stephen suffering stoning to death? What's the answer to that one? Humanly speaking, there's no answer to that. However, as he looked up and saw things from heaven's point of view, he sees God. God accomplishing his purpose. Even though it was hard to see what that could be at the time. And when we direct or look to what is going on around us at times, it can be very difficult. And indeed sometimes impossible to see what the purpose could be in all that we have to go through in Christian life. But when we look up, it's then we can see God is always accomplishing his purpose. Our times are always in his hand. And even though that can be past finding out what his purpose is, however, in God's time and in God's way, his purpose is accomplished, and that purpose is always for the glory of his name. So Stephen looks up to see the glory of God, and it implies the awareness of God's presence with him, the availability of God's power to strengthen him, and the accomplishment of God's purposes through him. And fourthly, it implies access to God's presence was open for him. As Stephen looked up into heaven and sees the glory of God, he sees he had a privileged access to him. We know that because of what he does. Acts chapter 7 verse 59. He calling upon, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 7 verse 59, and they stone Stephen calling upon God. He's calling upon God. And he's saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Verse 60, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. So Stephen is calling on God in this time of need. And he does that because he realized, I have the privilege of access to him. He looks up and he sees the glory of God, the awareness of his presence, the availability of his power, the accomplishment of his purposes but I have access to him if I lift up my voice to him. The way is open for me to come to him, seek him, call upon him. How wonderful it is that whenever our world seems to tumble in around us, that those who have personal faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, and they are therefore defined as true Bible-believing Christians, they can look up and they see they have access to God through Christ. And they are invited to lift up their voice to him and to come boldly to his throne of grace. 
Hebrews 4 verse 16 reminds us of that. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So whatever, whenever our world seems to tumble it around us at times in Christian life, we do learn a lesson from Stephen that we can, that we can apply, that, that will help us in our time of need. And it's simple, but also I tell you it's very profound. And it's this. Let God by his Holy Spirit help us to look up steadfastly into heaven. In doing that, we get a sense of the awareness of God's presence with us. We get a sense of the availability of God's power there is to strengthen us. We get a sense of God's purpose maybe being accomplished through us, even when it's hard to see that. And a sense that access to God's person is open and we're invited and we can lift up our voice and call out to him. Could it be that is what someone needs to do right now this morning as you sit in this congregation or maybe listening online? And God invites you this morning to look up to him and call out to him. For he promises you will obtain mercy and you can find the grace that you need in your time of need if you will simply look up to him and keep on doing that. So the first thing we can apply from the example of Stephen to help us when our world tumbles in around us is look up and see God. Secondly, and our time's running away, but just to briefly share a few thoughts along this line. What is the second thing that Stephen saw? He saw verse 55 of Acts chapter 7, Jesus standing on the right hand of God. He saw Jesus standing. Look up. We see God. The glory of his presence. The glory of his power. The glory of his purpose. The glory of his person. We can access him. Prayer. But also we see Jesus standing. What a comfort and a strength it must have been to Stephen whenever he sees Jesus but he had to look up to see him. As he looked around at what was going on in his life at the time, it was hard to see Jesus anywhere. But as he directs his look in another direction, Stephen sees Jesus, his Savior, his friend, his Lord, the one he trusted, the one he served, the one he followed, the one he knew. In looking up and seeing this, uh, Jesus standing, he saw the, the living Jesus. At the time of Stephen, Jesus had died on the cross at Calvary, but as he looked up steadfastly to heaven, he sees that Jesus is not dead. But he is alive. And he's alive at God's right hand. In heaven. And when Stephen looked around at his circumstances, all he could see was an angry mob out to stone him to death. Now, humanly speaking, for Stephen was human just like the rest of us. That must have been a very fearful and surreal prospect to him. But when he looked up and he saw Jesus was alive, he had conquered death. He had conquered grave, the grave by the power of God. That must have been a tremendous relief from the fears that Stephen might have had in his dying moments, don't you think? Death wasn't actually an enemy to be feared anymore. 
but it was now a doorway to heaven into the presence of Jesus who was alive at God's right hand from him. There he says in Revelation 1, 17 to 18, Fear not, for I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen, and have the keys of hell and death. So Stephen sees the living Jesus who had conquered death and the grave. As Stephen looks up and he sees the standing of Jesus, we discover he saw the exalted Jesus. <coughs> Stephen saw Jesus at God's right hand, and that speaks of a place in heaven where Jesus is exalted far, far, far above all. Not only alive in heaven, but is exalted there. Acts 2 and 32 to 33, this Jesus hath God raised up. Wherefore we are all witnesses. Therefore being by the right hand of God exalted. And as Stephen looked around him, he saw the powers and principalities of a godless world exalting against him. But as he looked up to heaven, he saw that Jesus was exalted far above it all. As the Apostle Paul puts in Ephesians 1, 20 to 21, God raised Jesus from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. As we look around us today, we certainly see the powers and principalities of a godless world exalting themselves against us. But as we take a moment this morning to look up, we see Jesus exalted far above it all. That's encouraging, isn't it? He saw the living Jesus. He saw the exalted Jesus. He saw the forgiving Jesus. We discover in Acts 5 and 31, the Apostle Peter says, Jesus hath God exalted at, his, at, at God's right hand to be a prince and a saviour, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Now in context again, Stephen was mobbed by an angry crowd which was out to kill him. Humanly speaking, that could have had a very negative impact on the spirit of Stephen toward those people. But as he looked up to heaven and he sees Jesus alive and exalted, far above all his enemies. He's a prince and a savior at God's right hand to give repentance of sin. We discover that Stephen, Stephen does something. We've referred to it already. Acts 7 and verse 59. Lord Jesus, he prays, receive my spirit. Verse 60, he says, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen dies with the right spirit towards the people who were stoning him, but it resulted from looking up to heaven and getting a glimpse of the forgiving spirit of Jesus towards the, those who were angry towards him and letting that forgiving spirit of Jesus keep his own spirit right towards those who were hurting him. Sometimes things happen in Christian life which can have a very negative impact on our spirit towards other people. I don't know whether any of you have ever discovered that, but I have discovered it quite a bit in working with people for 40 years in church life. 
someone who said something hurtful to us or done something hurtful on us. And looking at it, humanly speaking, can be very hard to have that forgiving spirit and keep that right spirit. And that's when we need to keep looking up to heaven. For there we see the forgiving Jesus is alive and exalted far above all. And we see the forgiving Jesus towards those who wrong us. But also, we see the forgiving Jesus who can give us that forgiving spirit so that we can pray for others who hurt us and we can keep our own spirit right, just as Stephen did. Is there someone hurting over something this morning? Could God be asking you help to help you this morning to look up, see Jesus living, exalted, and forgiving? He's standing to heal the hurt and to renew that right spirit. So when Stephen looked up to heaven, he saw the living Jesus, the exalted Jesus, the forgiving Jesus. He saw the understanding Jesus. He sees Jesus standing. That's significant. Because usually we read of Jesus sitting at God's right hand. For example, Colossians 3 and 1, Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth, or Christ sits at the right hand of God. But here Stephen sees Jesus moved out of a sitting position to a standing position. And surely it has to symbolize the understanding heart of Jesus for Stephen in what he was going through just at that moment. Jesus so touched by what he saw that he was moved out of a sitting position at God's right hand. And he's now standing to come to the aid of Stephen. He's moved to intercede for him, or pray for him, that his faith might not fail in his hour of severe trial. Moved to help him. Moved to strengthen him. Moved to support him. Moved to give him what was needed to cope with the accusations and the stones that are being hurled at him. Are you feeling that nobody understands? Look up. And you too will see an understanding Jesus who has moved out of his seat to come to your aid. Hebrews 4, 14 to 15 assures us of that. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of all our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. When your world is tumbling it around you, a lesson to apply that we can learn from Stephen is Look up to heaven. Not only see God, but see Jesus. 
who is alive at God's right hand, who is exalted far above all, who does forgive, who does understand, who can be touched with the feeling of all our infirmities, who is interceding for you, because that's what he has promised to do. I often think of what he said to Simon Peter, Satan hath desired to sift you, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Someone this morning and you feel as if you're in Satan's sieve. Look up. Jesus is praying. Jesus is interceding. But your faith fails not. So Stephen looked up to heaven. He sees the glory of God. And he sees Jesus standing. Certainly saw heaven opened. We haven't really time to deal with that this morning as such. He said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Verse 56. So in his dying moments, he looks up to the power of the Holy Spirit. He sees heaven's door is open and Jesus rising up to receive him. That meant death for Stephen wasn't the end. It was a step he had to take. And God permitted him to suffer a lot to take that step. Some people do. Other people don't. Other people don't. Why? We don't always understand the purposes of God that he's accomplishing in our lives. But as he takes that step, death was just a doorway into heaven. It also meant that through death for Stephen, that though death for Stephen was the, the end of many fond relationships, it wasn't the end of his relationship with Jesus. When the last stone was thrown and Stephen kneeled down, calling upon God and praying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell asleep. Heaven's door opened. And Jesus received him. When our world tumbles in around us, as it will one day for all of us, when death catches up with all of us, what's the outlook like? you. It's marvelous comfort to be able to look up and see heaven's door is open and Jesus is standing there to receive us. When it comes to the possibility of dying, what is the outlook The outlook for every believer in Christ is glorious and it's hopeful. Whatever your world is like at the moment, it may be described as if it's tumbling in around you. 
And God, by His Spirit, is wanting to help you to look up from it all. Heaven is open. One day Jesus will receive you. What a day that will be when by Jesus I shall see. And he takes me by the hand and he leads me through the promised land. What a day, a glorious day that'll be. And until that day, look up. For those who ever who have not yet trusted Jesus and therefore not saved, your outlook is not just so glorious because heaven is not open it's shut and Jesus will not rise up to receive you there but the good news is that as we look up this morning to God and to Jesus we see he is alive at God's right hand and he is able and he's willing to save and to open heaven's door to you. But he waits for you to do something this morning. Look up by faith. Look up with repentance. Look up and call on Jesus. If there's someone this morning, perhaps in our congregation, maybe a young person, maybe a middle-aged person, maybe an older person, you're not saved. And as you look up this morning, your world may be tumbling it around you. As you look up this morning, there's no hope. You look up this morning and call on Jesus to forgive your sin and save your soul. Look up and invite Jesus to come into your heart and into your life. Look up so that when death comes, your uplook will be as glorious as Stephen's. Heaven will be open. Jesus is standing ready to receive. Let's sing together our final hymn this morning. O soul, are you wearied and troubled? O light in the darkness you see, there's light for a look at the Saviour and life more abundant and free.
Now, Lord, we just confess at the end of our service today that it's easy for us, Lord, to look up in a service of this nature this morning. But when we leave this house and go back to our homes and situations there in the family and family circle, also tomorrow in our workplace, also as we switch on our news programs, we see what's happening in our world. It's so easy for us to lose that focus. And so, Lord, we pray that by your Holy Spirit you will help us to keep looking up steadfastly into heaven these days. We believe, Lord, that we can apply that, that there's, there's, there, there's, there's enough there to encourage us, to strengthen us, to help us, to enable us to go through with God, knowing that one day it'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. And until then, you promise never to leave us and never to forsake us. So thank you, Lord. We can trust you to apply your word to all our hearts. Part us with your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.